0: Am I listed in your contacts? Um,
1: uh, No, you're not.
0: Ah, that could be why. <laughs> Can we be friends or whatever it is in Skype? NZMac.com supporting the New Zealand Mac community.
1: Welcome to the NZMac.com podcast number 24. I'm Darren Lowe, a.k.a. Loaded Wookie, and with me is uh, site owner Phil Roy. And... Also, Dave uh, NZ. How do? And I guess we'll start with uh, a new feature that Phil's come up with um, called What Have You Been Up To? So I guess we'll start with Phil since he started it.
0: Yeah, I came <laughs> up with a very imaginative name. I, um, I just a couple of things I wanted to talk about really briefly. One was that I uh, watched um, Wall E on iTunes Rental last weekend, and I just wanted to say that's probably about the third movie that I've rented on iTunes, and I'm really impressed with the whole process, and was thoroughly impressed with that movie. I loved it completely. But the, um, the other thing I was going to mention is that I had a few too many beers last night uh, <laughs> sitting here, and for the first time in about 18 months, got my guitar out of its bag and fired up GarageBand. Let's and hear it. Let's hear it. No, it's, it's been put in its bag, I'm afraid, uh. but... Um, <laughs> It, it's steel string, so my fingers are still hurting because it has been eighteen months. But I was really impressed by the. I, I downloaded, I think, the second uh, lesson as well, and I was just thoroughly impressed with the whole thing, the whole process, the um, just the way they've written the yeah. tutorials and everything that you think you really need to mention. is, it's just so well written and, and 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 simple to understand. That you know, you watch it two or three times, play along with the guy. Um, I like how there 's a song that you get to play after you 've watched him it 's just brilliant
2: so you so, didn 't record it you didn 't you didn 't you didn't record anything that you did no you
0: can, but um just at the end of it all, there is basically a garage band track after watching all the tutorial that you go to hit the button and then play along after he's taught you the appropriate strum or the oh. appropriate chord
2: phil you have to record something so we can put it at the end of a podcast or something yeah no no <laughs> change
0: the podcast thing yeah. yeah
2: you could record a theme song for us
0: yeah well i have but sorry i shouldn't get into this i have a slight problem that i took the top of one of my fingers off on a bench or so some of the chords i can't play properly so the ah. C, chord, C chord, which is the second thing you learn, for me, is
2: just a complete muffle. So um... so everything has to be in key of B or A or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I do. I have, to,
0: I have to change chords constantly just to try and uh, play it properly. But yeah, anyway, I've, that...
1: I have a problem playing F because I'm not gimpy enough to get no. my hand in the right shape.
2: Oh, Okay. <laughs>
0: But, yeah, no, I just wanted to say well done, Apple. It was superbly done and loved it and uh, can't wait to download the rest of the tutorials. So that's
2: what I've been up to.
1: Dave, Hmm. what have you been up to?
2: Well, I picked up uh, a used eMac, when was it, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, I guess, because the university I work for, they often kind of sell surplus equipment that they've been using in the student labs. So I picked up a uh, a 1 gigahertz model. It's got 768 of RAM. And uh, did, I, did I, I? I think it's just the USB. It is. It's just the USB 1.0 model, so it doesn't have USB 2. Um, but it does have the combo drive in it. And I decided, well, it's going to be my daughter's computer. It'll be in my daughter's room. Um, and if therefore she needs a wireless card, so I went and bought a wireless card on TradeMe. And it was the wrong card. I bought the old one. I looked online in fact, my buddy in Canada, Jeff, and he 'll be listening to this. He can corroborate this because we were both looking at it online, thinking, yeah, that 's the card you get and I bought it they, The guy delivered it, tried to put it in in fact, as I was trying to put it in, he 's on Skype with my uh, the the MacBook pro you know on my daughter 's bed, you know and he 's kind of watching me install it, kind of giving me commentary as play by play commentary and uh, I'm saying, this this card isn't going in. He says, what do you mean? It's got to be the right card. It's not going in. I can tell you it's just it, the card's too wide for the slot. Hang on, hang on. So he's looking up online as I'm trying to do this, and he says, uh-oh. And I turned around, and I went, what do you mean, uh-oh? What does that mean? You've, we've got the wrong card. So I've, I'm currently bidding on a uh, on an uh, Airport Extreme card on Trade Me right now. So hopefully that'll be the one. Well, it has to be. There's only two, right? Yeah.
0: Uh, and it, uh, yeah.
2: where did you find um, what sort of card it would need I, I can't, that's, we couldn't figure that out because we couldn't remember what site we looked at that said that this card, actually no, I think what ended up happening now that I think about it is that we presumed I had a different eMac than the one I actually did have
0: Right. Yeah. the reason I was asking is, that, uh, one thing I'll mention at this point, there's an excellent piece of freeware called Mac Tracker I think it is, I've got it installed um, I'm just oh. opening, it, opening it up to check. Yes, indeed, it is called Mac Tracker. It's basically a database of every Mac that's ever been built.
2: Oh, okay. And yeah, it's, I think the I...
0: really cool thing is it's available for the PC as well so that any technicians that have to deal with Macs that need to look up specs and things like that, yeah. and it's, it's updated on a fairly regular basis, it, it's a really cool app because it also features inbuilt every single chime of every Mac. So, yeah, so if you want to hear what you know a Macintosh 2SI sounded like, you can hit the button that goes with it.
2: Well, that could be useful because uh, there, there's another computer I have. It's in my office right now. It's not being used, but it's an old G4 Cube, um, and I just put 9.1 on it the other day, and I'm just about to update the firmware because – I spent a long time looking for PC100 RAM, and it's really expensive. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's super expensive. And then this buddy of mine in Canada, Jeff, said, well, hang on, you can use PC133, which is a dime a dozen. And he's right. And I think my plan is, is that I'm going to uh, throw 512, if not 768, because I think that that cube has three RAM slots. And then I'm going to run it as a music server here at the house. Yeah, one of the
0: things that Mac Tracker does, it has a couple of nice features in the information. Well, three, actually. It talks about the history of each model. Um, it talks about, it gives you an indication as to what the maximum um, operating system is it can handle. So mm. it's it's really good, for example, if someone posts a message on nzmac.com saying, you know, can I install 10.4? Yeah. You can You can take a look and say, well, no, we don't think it's going to handle it, et cetera. And it also has a section on... Um, how whether you can expand it and the
2: memory slots and so on that it has well that'll be pretty good because it, i guess one of the ways i've rationalized that the mistake in buying the first airport card is that i can throw that in the g4 in sure. the cube so that shouldn't be and i've got tiger thanks to a certain someone so
0: yeah yep. and i'll um i'll put a link to uh, the mac tracker application in the show notes as well sweet Me and what about I, I think dave is going to talk about nc. oh
2: that's right too not half an hour ago, when I was kind of bringing up some websites, I'm still having I'm still having problem with uh, finding any apple.co.nz or even apple.com website. It's for some reason it's just not bringing it up. Uh, on the PC, it will. If I, in other words, if I crank open Parallels and launch XP, um, it'll find it, but it's not finding it on the Mac. And there's a fo- I did a forum post on this, um, and actually there was something I'm just going to bring this up because. Celtic Kiwi from the forums raised this issue, which sounds pretty plausible, and he's saying it sounds like Apple might be taking web servers offline or having or have problematic web servers, and they could be pooled or load balanced and um, every once in a while you're going to be redirected redirected to a bunch of web servers, which is sometimes why they can be seem they can seem offline to some people and online to others so something strange has been going on, and I had to actually use open dNS to uh, uh, to actually get access to it. It's very bizarre.
1: Wouldn't that like it's happening every time though to you, isn't it? No, it's um,
2: sporadic because with open it? DNS, with open DNS it, it can work and then it can also not work. And then when I'm at the university, when I'm behind the university's firewall, I'm not using open DNS because then I don't have access to internal sites, um, but it works fine. So it, it's something it's Which a combination to, of telecom uh, or something like that. I'm not yeah, sure. to me
0: it doesn't sound like load balancing on servers if it's fine at work. Have you spoken to either telecom or Apple?
2: No, because it's been so sporadic. I, I'm convinced that if I, if I did, if I called telecom, they would just say, whatever, it's, something, it's your computer. I'm sure they would.
0: Yes, it's they, the standard response. Exactly. <laughs> the The first practice in good help desk is to blame the end user. Yeah, that's you? right. Yeah, that's right. It can't possibly be our system. It must be you. <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: Lord! So it's still it's still happening, and I can't remember when I posted that. For actually, I can tell you because I'm on the I'm on the thread now. It was but at a, least a week ago. Wasn't oh it? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. five days, thirteen hours ago.
1: Yeah, and I could have understood it probably you know a few days ago because of. Hits on the on the website with the release of Mac Pro and Mac mm. Mini and all that, but um, a week later, I, I shouldn't expect it happening.
0: No. Uh, and I didn't realize it was Apple.com as well. But And your iPod Touch works fine on wireless that's as well, right. doesn't it? That's yeah,
2: the iPod Touch was working fine on wireless. Not a problem at all, but it was just on this. And that's why I suspected it was my machine, because all the indicators were that it, I mean, if everything else works, then it's got to be the, the you know, you, this installation.
0: You, you should what, try, um, oh, sorry,
2: carry on.
1: Sorry, I was just going to ask, what browser are you using?
2: I was trying it with Safari, Firefox, and Devon Agent. Oh,
1: the
2: whole lot. Darren, would Little Snitch help him at all?
1: Pass. I've not really used it. Um
0: Little Snitch, David, is an application that um, loads as I think a preference pane from memory, and Mm. will watch every piece of outbound traffic. Now I haven't used it for a long time, and I I stuck it on Mum and Dad's machine because I set their machine up to auto dial, but only um, because I'm still on dial-up, but only for their email. But suddenly, you know, for no apparent reason, the machine would start up. And so I used um, Little Snitch to track down things like the Microsoft Updater that was set to check monthly and all those things and grad- gradually eliminate all those things from doing auto-dials. But I just wondered if it may possibly be able to check the traffic coming in and out of your computer.
2: Hmm. hmm. I'll give that a try, actually, or I'll look into that.
1: It does sound like there's probably some sort of software that's Getting in the way, um so yeah, little snitch should be able to tell you what it is, and slowly process of elimination. And I wasn't
2: the only one that was experiencing this. I think uh I'm just checking it out now, but there was somebody else. It was Andrew. Yeah, uh, yeah, he had he had the problem. He, oh, oh, good, it's not just me. He says
0: <laughs> Sit, sitting uh, from memory, sitting right next to his wife, who's on a different laptop, mm-hmm. not having the problem at all.
2: Yep.
1: Yeah, that definitely sounds like there's something software
0: related. But very something
2: strange. that we both it 's very it is very strange, yeah,
0: yeah, yep, yeah. so um, anyway, Darren, what have you been up to? Um,
1: I was going to say sleep, but um, <laughs> no well most of the most of my day obviously has been taken up with project work, which has been going on for quite some time actually it was quite funny because there was a write up in um, computer world about the the project that i 'm working on. And you know there was a, it mentioned a source close to the project, and, and of course naturally I was working on the floor that runs the project. And the first thing they said, "Oh, was that you?" And I said, "No, nah, it couldn't have been me. My comments would have been unpublishable." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I've um, in terms of Mac-related stuff, I've um, today I was just trying to get uh, back to my Mac up and running because um, I had this weird thing where. Um, back to my mac preferences and system preferences um it was saying that my router wasn't supporting uh back to my mac prop well um was it uh, nat p m p or u n p m p settings which allows um the the address uh, the ports and the addresses and all that um of certain types of traffic to flow through. Obviously, if you're going through a router, that traffic has to be routed out properly. Mm. Um, So I've just managed to get my router up and running, but it wasn't actually because of that firmware that um, Apple just released. Um, It's been going on for quite some time, and it turned out it was... I'm not 100% sure how I fixed it, but it was definitely something on the Dynalink um, modem that Orcon have given me. Um, So I've managed to get that up and running, so... All I need to do now is find some way of actually using it um, elsewhere. So I've got to read up a bit more about how Back to My Mac works. So that's pretty much all I've
0: been doing. So what are you wanting to use it for, Darren? I mean, is it just so when you're at work you can connect back to your Mac at home? or?
1: Um, Yeah, pretty much that sort of thing, just files that are sitting on my um, my machine. On oh, having said that, um, I take my MacBook everywhere and because that's, that's my main... Um, grunt machine it's sort of got everything that i need on it but um there's just the odd probably piece of software that's sitting on another machine that you know i wouldn't mind getting hold of um but you know i think it's more just sort of playing playing around and boosting my knowledge of um, networking sort of things so that i can use it at work and all that
0: sure um changing the subject but on a similar theme you have an iphone don't you Yep. Or yeah. have you tried any VNC software with that that lets you connect up to your Mac?
1: Um I tried which one did I try? Uh, what's one of the ones that originally came out? Um, I,
0: I, I don't know. I I couldn't get any of them going, but um I think that was because I was at the on my work wireless network.
1: Yeah, I, I had one. Um, I didn't actually get it up and running through um, internet because obviously I had the uh, back-to-my-Mac problems. Um, but I tried it on the local network, and I didn't like it because um, it didn't operate how I thought it would operate. Um, it was... I can't really explain it, but I, I was sort of um, expecting to be able to remote control the entire um Uh, desktop uh, but it sort of didn't allow me to actually do that it was it wasn't
0: um i think if you want if you want to get too advanced you have to pay a bit of money on them don't you yeah
1: i think that probably was it i think i was using the light version of an application um and yeah it sort of didn't really work the way that i thought it would work but um
2: so darren what kind of router were you running like what kind of router have you got right now
1: well, the router itself is the Apple Wireless. Uh, got extreme. the Airport Extreme. So that uh, even
2: with the new firmware, and you were still having problems, and the problem was the was the modem. Is that right? The modem. Yep. See, that's really interesting because, it, it, hmm, what hope does anyone have of taking advantage of, you know, the new version of? I know we're going to talk about this, but the new uh, Airport Extreme. If if they're the modem that's supplied by, uh, is it Telecom your your ISP? Nah, Orcon. Orcon, yeah. Oh, sorry, Orcon. So if the, if Orcon's supplying modems that aren't going to work, well then, as I say, what hope does anyone have?
1: Um, not a lot if they don't know what they're doing. Because <laughs> I, I mean, I was I, I kind of know a bit about what I'm doing, but at the same time, um, I was just basically winging it. Um, I found the settings that I thought um, were the ones, but. Um, yeah, it was a lot of trial and error and I mean, a lot of sitting
2: of the modem. Put yourself in Apple's shoes, you'd be, you'd be furious. You know, you're introducing products that should, in theory, work well with each other and play nice and have all these mm. outstanding features. But the modem supplied by a New Zealand ISP, and a fairly major one at that, mm. could very well be preventing that service and that feature from actually working.
0: Yeah, yeah, although although I have to say, I mean, the reality is, for a long, long time, and I mean at least one, possibly two years, I I couldn't iChat to anyone from outside my university simply because the firewall wouldn't allow it. Mm. So I, I think um, the the problem is that these things are advanced, and and Apple does try to make them incredibly easy, but you are going to experience you know issues with port numbers and routers and all those sorts of things that. That.
1: Yeah, that, that that's the thing I, I find. I mean, Apple's got – obviously, the states are set up completely different to New Zealand. I mean, what well, we're 22nd on the OECD, mm. so our broadband isn't configured properly, and it's nowhere even close to what um, other countries should be. But um, I, I think as, as these systems sort of get more and more in use, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if sooner or later Apple comes along and says, hey, look – you know, it's getting to be a bit of a have that, you know, we're connecting to modems that, you know, are preventing our, our systems from working properly. And I wouldn't be surprised if sooner or later they'll just work in with, say, Cisco or someone and um, uh, wrap a, a modem inside the the, um, the airport extreme stations or something like that.
0: What, about a, modem. what about a back-to-the-Mac compatible sticker on some of these things? Do you think that would be of any use? I mean...
1: Uh, to be honest, for that to happen, I, I think they'll have to um, publish the specs. They've got to then basically sell the specs to the likes of Cisco and Dynalink and D-Link and all those sorts of guys. Um, and then, you know, so there, there's probably going to be a lot of time. There's a lot of um, uh, rig and roll to get that up and running. It's um, not the- ideal.
0: No, does back to the Mac, when you try to set it up on the machine that you're going to connect to, does it do any sort of test where it connects to Apple and says, you know, yes, I've checked and everything seems okay, or, I mean... It, was it, it...
1: does, if you, well, probably, everything's got to go through uh, MobileMe anyway, so there, there would be some sort of check, I would say, that, yeah, it's going or not, but... um. Quick test uh, for me was just going into system preferences um, on the Mac and then um, under mobile me go to the back to my Mac um, page and uh, mine was always showing a yellow and then it was telling me how my um, router wasn't, uh, sorry, yeah, the router wasn't set up uh, which um, was kind of tricky in the first place because um, when I initially set up my AirPort Extreme uh, on the Orcon network, it wasn't so bad when we were on Telstra, but on Orcon, it, um, I couldn't get to the internet. And it turned out it was because um, the there was a DNS server on the modem that was turned on, um, but there was also the DNS server on the Airport Extreme that was turned on. And because the two were turned on, they were conflicting and firing off IP addresses uh, were well, trying to fire off IP addresses to my Macs. And, um, basically, it was causing all sorts of problems, but um, I worked out how to fix that issue by um, doing what they call bridging. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had sort of a number of issues trying to get it up and running, And um, but now that I've got sort of everything all s- um, sorted out, I'll probably document it and maybe throw something up on NZ Max site just because there's going to be other people that are going to have this issue too. Sorry.
2: Well, that's what I'm just thinking. I mean, can, can we talk about the new Extreme that was announced, the new Airport Extreme? Because it, it kind of this kind of leads into that. And it's now I'm thinking I have a new bugbear because let's say, for example, my my router crapped out tomorrow, and I suddenly started looking around. And I thought, well, you know, the new Airport Extreme, it's brand new. It's looking pretty good. It's got some pretty interesting features. But given what you're just saying, Darren, I can't be I can't be guaranteed that the old uh, D-Link three hundred two G modem that I've got somewhere here in the office at home, because um, assuming that my all-in-one router slash modem just crapped out tomorrow, as I say, I am not sure that old three hundred two G D-Link modem is even going to work with uh, with the Extreme. In other words, it's not going to be able to um, that extreme's not going to be able to take advantage of the features. So then, then I am on the Dick Smith website now, not to give them a plug, but I am looking at what kinds of modems are available, and I am looking at spending another hundred bucks on a, on a mm. new modem.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of a tricky one. The, the problem with a lot of the modems that are coming out now is, um, they're either basically all the features you want bar one or they've, um, they trying to do two things at once and actually not working really well. Mm. Um like the the D-links for example, I mean they're a great modem but I've heard a lot of people have a lot of problems with D-links and same with the Netgear stuff. Um and what's it Linksys which I think is actually a, um a cheapo brand for D-link in the first place. Um and they they like, one one side of it will be good. Like, the routing side will be great, but the wireless side will be a bit stink. You know, it might not be 802.11n, or, um, you know, it might be flaky signal and you need base boosters and things like that. Um,
2: and I've had nothing but good luck with D-Link hardware. Um, even in the, What I've got now is a D-Link. Uh, it's an ADSL 2-plus wireless modem and G-router. Um, yep. And I've had no problem with signal, no problem with dropouts, zero. It's been tremendous. I, yeah, I've the
0: D-Links a, are good stuff.
2: Hmm.
0: I've got U.S. Uh, robotics, or U.S. Robotics, and yeah, I'm very uh, um <laughs> I don't know how old it is, a couple of years ago, but um, I, I love it, but... Uh, someone did recommend to me that if I ever went for a time capsule, that I should connect it directly to the router and use the time capsule wireless as opposed to the router wireless.
2: Well, I would. I wouldn't. That, that I looked at some figures this afternoon and show prep. I'm all about the show prep. That time capsule. Have you guys seen the price of a one terabyte time capsule here in New Zealand? Yeah,
1: it's gone up by about three hundred.
2: It's one thousand and forty nine dollars. Wow yeah, so I get it.
1: Uh, yeah, but on having said that that's um what you have to take into account is that you aren't just getting a single um wireless router in there, you're actually getting two because it's operating on both uh g and n, so you actually have to have two um, uh wireless um transmitters built into there, which would have increased the cost of quite a bit as well.
0: I think we also have to be realistic, you know the world is currently falling mm-hmm. apart, and you know the American dollar exchange rate is horrendous, but um, it 's still a lot of
2: money okay well this is what no, this I is see. what I did this afternoon. I took that thousand forty nine dollars for a one terabyte did I say gigabyte earlier one terabyte time capsule i let 's go i 'm going to go buy an extreme. The extreme alone costs three hundred and seventy nine dollars, which is a lot of money. Um, I went to an online shop and found that I can get a caviar black uh, three and a half inch hard drive. Uh, I think that's Western Digital. I think that is for two hundred and eighty dollars. I can get a Next Star enclosure that's USB two FireWire and eSATA for one hundred and twenty eight dollars, and all up I can have uh, and I can hang that hard drive off the Extreme that I just bought, and that'll run me seven hundred and eighty seven dollars. Yeah.
0: See, I um jokingly said in a podcast a while back and then the more I thought about it the more it became my fantasy time capsule and that was a time capsule with a removable hard drive so I could swap one in and take it to work and bring the other one back here but I'm actually getting to the point where I'm contemplating buying two external hard drives to use with um with um the the synchronization feature and just swapping them and taking one and leaving it at worknet for a month and then bringing the other one back yeah I mean time capsule I think is fantastic for what it is but um uh, you know for a lot of people it's I think it's great but it is incredibly expensive thousand
2: dollars yeah holy cow I'm sorry I just I couldn't justify that kind of cost I really couldn't.
0: No, I'd be interested in doing an exchange and comparing it back to the US dollar from how it used to be. I mean, the the, the thing with the... the blog post about iLife and iWork was that the exchange rate they used was substantially different to the one at the time I mean they were Mm. putting in costs there that seemed to cover themselves and and credit to them they 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 covered themselves well because they figured out what was going to happen but um
2: well I did that for this extreme because here the extreme the new one is 379 the old one used to be 279 by the way so it's an increase of 100 bucks in the U.S. it's $179, so it, it's an exchange rate of 47 Um Now, right now, the New Zealand dollar to uh, the, the U.S. dollar is about 49 or $0.50 cents are hovering around there, so not too bad. And far.
0: are the, are the old-time capsules still available? Is it worth getting mm, in and no. grabbing one of those?
2: Well, I There would s- be
1: if you went to the shop Yeah, because they'll probably have old stock. What did you say the um, the new Airport Extreme was? $379. Oh, so you're only looking... Yeah, I see it three seventy nine. Looking I, about twenty dollars more.
2: Yeah, and I well, it's well three. The old one used to be two seventy nine. So the new one is. $379. yeah, the old yeah, the old you, extreme.
1: Yeah. Once again, though, you've got to take into account that extra hardware that's actually in well, there.
2: Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's so a, there'd,
1: there'd be a hundred bucks worth there. Exactly, I'm looking at the yeah. exchange rate according to calculator, at 179 US, you're looking at 356. So they've added 20 bucks extra, which I suppose would cover cost of shipping because you got to remember it goes to Australia and then
0: to New Zealand.
2: Yeah, depending on what exchange rate you're using. Mm. No, da- you're da- right. Da- yeah, you're
0: absolutely right. Yeah. Darren, can I ask about this two ban thing. I, yep. I, I didn't. I had a read of it, and I didn't quite understand it. Is the theory that that you have one effectively encrypted network that's yours, and then you have an open one so that anyone who comes around can just hook into it.
1: Uh, that's a feature of the firmware update. Now, th- what this is, um, you know, how you've got your 802.11A, B, and G. Uh, well, B and G run on the 2 gig, uh, 2.4 gigahertz frequency. A and N Work on the 5 gigahertz frequency So Basically B and G Aren't compatible with A and N um, Because of the two Different frequencies So what the the new gear does Is it has two radio transmitters So if you have um, Say an old machine that's running An 802.11a Wireless card It will hook into the 5 gig uh, Frequency which N operates on, uh, and B and G they'll just hook onto the 2.4 gigahertz. So you don't actually have to alter your modem settings, uh, the the router settings, to say kick down to a 2.0, uh, sorry, say a, a B or G um, standard, which means that you lose the benefits of using the N standard, which is your high speed, your increased range, and all that sort of thing. So basically it allows. Um, say, like PCs, which are traditionally um, 802.11G, allows them to hook into a network without affecting the speed of the other devices that are on
2: there. Oh, okay. See, one of the things I was thinking of actually doing was um, picking up a new Airport Extreme because the router that I've got is a G router and my iPod Touch is obviously rated for just 11G. And that way I would create two wireless networks, essentially, in the house. if I... Uh, hang the Airport Extreme off the um, the existing router, then effectively I could I could do that, and that way I wouldn't have the iPod Touch when it comes on the network knocking down any other device that happens to be on the network to G speeds.
1: Yeah, with that you wouldn't really need to worry about that with the with the new Airport Extremes.
2: That's right. Yeah, yeah. But if, if I if I managed to get an old one though, that would be the way to do it.
1: Yeah. Um mind you on having said that, I mean uh with my Mac Mini, my iPhone and my Nintendo Wii, I'm really only getting eight oh to eleven um G standard uh mm. speeds anyway. Alright, uh, right, so Moving on to the news, we have got the new desktops, uh, MacBook, oh sorry, Mac Pro, uh, the new iMac, and of course the long-awaited new Mac Mini. So thoughts on that? Um, we'll start with David this time.
2: Um, well, I did some. Uh, I don't know this the, whole, the the Mac Mini. I guess I am kind of in a whiny mood. I mean, the specs you can get online. It's got a FireWire eight hundred port, so you don't have to worry about the four hundred anymore because it's now dead and buried. Uh, five USB 2 ports, obviously, because it's kind of you bring your own keyboard, you bring your own mouse, so they can't assume that any keyboard that you hook up is going to have extra ports, so that's why they probably gave you five in the back of this thing. I was looking around this afternoon because there's some disagreement on some online forums whether or not it can actually do extended desktop because it's got two ports it has a mini DVI port and it has a mini display port. No, it yeah, it says right I've here on the mini display. No, it says right here, I'm on, I'm on the Apple uh, the Apple specs website, mini DVI port and the mini display port. It's got two. Now, there's been some disagreement that um, whether or not it can actually do extended desktop or just mirroring. Um, so I'm kind of uh, waiting to see. It's extended
1: him. desktop. Yeah, because some people Everything are saying it could. Everything basically um, from... Oh yeah, you're right, it does have to both. Yeah. Um yeah, everything from um basically uh, when they went to N- NVIDIA, all yeah. the video cards with NVIDIA and ATI, um well not ATI um not ATI, what is it? Intel. Intel um yeah. basically all the NVIDIA um dry, uh video boards are actually um extended desktops so you can use um two screens. Uh, theoretically theoretically, um, yeah, I don't know how that McMoney works. I, I mean, because the DisplayPort itself can drive two monitors. Um
2: Well, that's right. And how big are we monitor are we talking here? I mean, can you put inch, up a bench
1: can drive two.
2: Jeez, really? With that, it, you know, it's got, a, it's got the 9400M uh, video card in that with 128 or 256 of… Um, Video memory shared with the main memory, but I mean, that you think that'll drive two thirty-inch displays?
1: No, 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 no. Sorry, one thirty-inch display. The the DV, the display port will drive a single thirty-inch display because you got to remember that the thirty-inch display actually required two, yeah, two DVI yeah. video heads, um, <clears throat> which is why all the Mac Pros and all that had um, two DVI ports on them.
2: But in theory, um, in theory, somebody could have two. 24-inch LCD uh, Philips or Panasonic or Sony LCD monitors on their desk, having one hooked up to the mini DVI port using, obviously, an adapter, and the other one hooked up to the mini display port, and they will have an enormous amount of real estate. Is that right?
1: Well, that's what I can't work out. If it's got the mini DVI as well as the display yeah. port, to me, that almost sounds as like you can run three monitors.
2: Well, the debate online is whether you can even run two, um, because there's some people that are saying absolutely you can do an extended desktop, or others are saying, no, no, you can only do you can do two, but they're mirrored, nah. which, which of course according is to the
1: according to the website it says extended. extended desktop yeah, and right. video mirroring. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> but it depends on how. Simultaneously supports up to 19 on a DVI or VGA, up to 256 on a dual-link DVI using the mini display yeah. port.
2: So, in theory, you should be able to do it. Now, that's, you have to think about that. That's It's a tiny little three-pound, maybe it's not even three-pound, little box that'll drive two fairly large displays. Mm. And that's pretty powerful. I mean, that's not bad. But here's here's the downside of that. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at the price. Two gigahertz machine, Intel Core two duo. Obviously you're not going to drop a quad trip a chip in there because it's going to be too hot for a little enclosure. Hundred and twenty gigabyte hard drive, one gig of RAM. <laughs> one thousand three hundred and ninety eight dollars.
1: Yeah, but that's what the original uh when they first went to the Intel's, that's what the Intels were costing.
2: And a, two gigahertz, with body, a, th- with a th- 2 gigahertz with a 320 gig hard drive, so now it's a little more reasonable in terms of hard drive space, uh, with 2 gigs of RAM, is going to be 18, just over $1,800, 1850 mm. I mean, is that a little... And let's face it, once you've got that many on your desk, that's it. I mean, getting into it and replacing the hard drive, I mean, sure, you can do it, but...
1: It's, it's actually co- quite easy. Is it?
2: Do, yep. they, do, they, do you void your warranty if you crack it open?
1: Well, you're going to avoid avoid your warranty anyway, unless you're an um, Apple certified um, right. Well, that's, uh, technician, that's, but
2: yeah, most people listening to this would not be one of those. So, if let's say they get the 120 gig hard drive mini, and then three months later they realize, geez, that new camera that shoots in RAW, that's really eating up our hard drive space, isn't it? Next thing you know, they can't. Well, unless they go external, but you know, they can't uh, they can't put pop, pop a new hard drive in, and the hard drive is a 5400 two and a half inch hard drive.
0: If you were offering advice to someone on purchasing a Mac, would you ever m- recommend a Mac Mini,
2: though? Oh, gee. I, I would. would you- I would
1: for, for the cost. Because you got to remember, as I said before, when when the, the Intel Mac Minis were first released, that was the price. Um, the top-end one was $1,800. The bottom-end one, which was only a core solo, um, so it wasn't even dual-core um that was the 1300 as well it's it's actually only been in probably the last year year and a half that the price had actually been around about 12 and 1500 respectively
0: yeah i mean um, m- mum and mum and dad have got one and i think it's fantastic and i my one of my brothers is a tv producer and i love just pointing to him and saying look that little wee thing there can burn dvds you know because mm-hmm. he's he's got an exceptionally old computer but the reason I was asking is the Mac Mini. I know it isn't now, but when it came out, it was really targeted at switches, wasn't it?
1: Initially, it was, mm, um, yeah. but then you got all the the tech heads that thought, "Well, you know, we can do something with this." Because you got to remember too that Mac OS Ten has things like X Grid technology. So a lot of people were actually using uh, Mac Minis, a number of Mac Minis, to actually uh, create a decent server farm and use that for rendering all their Photoshop stuff and all that. Um,
0: really? You'd buy that instead of a server or Mac Pros and things?
1: Well, uh, you've got to take into account what, what it is you actually want to do. If, if you're just wanting a beefy system where um, uh, you can um, process imaging and all that um, a lot quicker, then obviously, given the cost of an XServe, you could get five or six of these Mac Minis mm. and X-Grid them and, and have round about the same processing power anyway. Mm. That's cool. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, um, I think it was, uh, was it actually, yeah, I think at one stage the third most powerful supercomputer in the, on the planet was actually um, a university that had something like a thousand Mac Minis running X-Grid. Wow. Um, so, Lord. so it's a pretty <laughs> beasty sort of a setup if you if you do it right. But um, is, so,
2: but going back to Phil's question, sorry to interrupt, but is at, if at at $1, fourteen hundred dollars, a hundred and twenty gig hard drive, two gigahertz machine with one gig of RAM, is that really going to entice somebody to switch?
1: Uh, for a lot of people, it would because uh, most people who who the Mac Mini's aimed at aren't really going to be wanting super fancy sort of um, machines and all that.
2: And- yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, true. But you can look at... I mean, you, I get all those flyers in our mailbox every week about, you know, what specials all the shops have for um, Windows boxes and she's yeah, pretty good cheap. luck on those well but, yeah agreed I, they're yeah, cheap
1: was... for a reason i can <laughs> tell you that now because um that's pretty much the bundle of our repair work is just these so-called cheap machines really? especially ke- Acer. they're shocking
0: yeah but keep in mind you can slap together a mac mini and a pretty damn decent lcd screen and save money as, as compared to an imac
2: yeah that's mm, fair yeah exactly. that, when you start doing that comparison you're right i agree yeah and, mm. and
0: and and that was one of the reasons they appealed to Switches, because you could say, look, you've, everything you've got now, you just put your Mac Mini next to it. Mm. Yep. But I, I also not, do know of people that will go and specifically target a Mac Mini because they can get, then go off and get the monitor they want.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that yeah. is fair.
0: But, yeah, no, so it's interesting. But um, So what do you guys think of the iMacs? So, I mean, I, 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 I've mentioned before I'm not much of a hardware person, so I'm, I'm reading as we're talking,
2: to be honest.
1: Actually, to be honest, I haven't actually had much look at the
0: iMac. You know, I'm,
2: I was going to say the same thing. I haven't other... really, really looked at about,
0: them. About the only thing I've really picked up about them is their price, and that's caused a few uh, shocks from people, I think, in terms of the, the cost of them. But, again, I, um, I think there's various reasons for those as well.
2: Well, the top of the line 24 inch is 3.06 gigahertz with 4 gig and a terabyte hard drive for $4,800 New Zealand. Mm. Uh, the lowest, the, the cheapest one is uh, the 20 inch 2.66, uh, 2 gigs, 320 gig hard drive, and that's 2600
0: And of course, the one thing we haven't talked about, goodbye Firewire 400. That's just. Uh, oh, on the iMac as well. Yeah.
2: Oh, really? Oh, I
1: didn't notice that.
2: Oh, wow. Uh,
1: so what's that? Has it now got a 800 on it, has it?
0: Yeah, it's disappeared from the entire Mac line, I think I remember reading somewhere.
1: That's yeah. actually not a bad idea. I, th- I think that's a good, good thing on um, Apple's part when you think about it. And Firewire 800 port obviously is smaller, so you get a little bit more room to, say, add another uh, USB port. At the same time, too, it will kick down to a 400 with an adapter. Mm. So you're not um, – you know, there is a degree of backwards compatibility. But, I mean, I, I bought a um, Data Whale uh, RAID enclosure that runs off Firewire 800. And, man, it's just so much nicer doing Firewire 800 for video editing than even 400. Um, and certainly forget about, um, uh, what do you call it, um, USB for video editing. Yeah. So I think I think ditching the FireWire 400 sort of allows you a little bit more freedom to, um, you know, play around with the design a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, look at the, the new MacBook Pros. Um, they ditched the FireWire 400 and kept the FireWire 800, and they're a bit slimmer because of it.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's true, actually. I guess the
0: other thing I should mention, I think I read somewhere um, just very briefly that the um, licensing laws for Blu-ray are changing. Um, Really? Yeah, and that supposedly that has been a barrier to companies possibly putting Blu-ray drives in PCs and things like that. So it was just a very brief article. I think it might have been on TechCrunch suggesting that um, this change that is about to happen may open the floodgates and we may see some Blu-ray drives coming into machines. Huh. So that, in fact, it wasn't the technology holding it back, but the licensing laws related to it.
1: That, that was generally the, um, the reasoning behind a lot of the articles that I saw that Apple wasn't releasing... Um, the Blu-ray because of the licensing, because the, the licensing bit of a joke, really. I mean, the fact that to run Blu-ray properly, you have to have a TV that has a certain um, encode, uh, sorry, decoder on it, because otherwise, if you know, if you went for the early HD TVs, um, you wouldn't be able to play any Blu-ray movies because they weren't compatible with the um, licensing system that Blu-ray uses. Um, so, I, yeah. The, the interesting thing will be, though, whether or not they actually make a slot-loading um, Blu-ray drive. Um, so mm. I can see all the Blu-ray drives at the moment. They're um, they're obviously tray loaders, so they're designed for PC cases and all that. But, um, you know, what are they going to do on laptops? Because I haven't seen a lot of laptops with Blu-ray DVDs either.
0: Uh,
2: no, certainly not.
1: Mind you, a lot of the laptops can't handle the Blu-ray because it... Requires a pretty deep, uh, beefy sort of a system to run.
0: Mm. And what do you think of the Mac Pro, Darren?
1: Now, that is an interesting one. Um, that is a pretty beefy system. And I think what Apple has done with the um, the Mac Pro is actually reintroduced the megahertz myth because, uh, like I was reading some guy in a on MacWorld forum, and he said, "Oh, you know, Apple's using a slower processor. Well, slower than what? You know, yeah, it's a two point was it two point nine three gigahertz uh, Nehalem processor up against a three point two gigahertz in the Mac Pro uh, current, and the new one's two point four times faster than the three point two gigahertz." So, you know, basically, because of the way that the Nehalem processor is actually designed, um, you know, I mean, what is it, 8 megabytes of L3 cache for each processor. Um, You know, that's a pretty beefy system. I I mean, well worth the price that they're asking for it.
2: Because that's, Uh, I'm looking online now, and it's either you can get the 2.66 gigahertz quad-core Intel Xeon Nehalem, Um, and that one's going to be 5,600, but then you can get the 2.26 gigahertz quad core Nehalem, uh, for $7,300. So the more expensive one has the slightly slower in terms of clock speed, but based on what you're saying, Darren, that doesn't really matter in a lot of ways because it, well, one's coming, the more expensive one's coming with six gigs of Ram, um, yeah, yeah, I think
0: da- da- Darren's right. He, he um, because yeah. I was listening to the MacBreak uh, discussion, and it has brought back in that whole argument about the megahertz myth. That's right. Yeah.
1: yeah well, the, the thing too is like um, apparently with these um, uh, nihilums they're using hyperthreading, which gives you another processor on top of that. That's right. So your um, your supposed eight core machines, which might be running slower. There uh, are actually two quad-core processors. Uh, <laughs> and because of the hyper-threading, you've actually got 16 processors. Yeah,
2: go nuts. Uh,
1: which is just phenomenal. You're going to be able to, you know, it's going to eat Photoshop for breakfast with oh, one of those yeah. machines. Um, and then you've got, Basically, no bottlenecks between the RAM and the processors um, basically Apple designed the entire motherboard to have no bottlenecks whatsoever, so um you know you you got to throw that into the mix as well and and, and the machines just basically it makes the X serve look like a dog as well <laughs> just that, so that does that system. mean
2: does that mean that the bottleneck on these machines would would be the hard drive yep, wow,
1: because the hard drives um you know, I think the hard drives are only writing at about thirty or forty megasecond. Right. Um. So, yeah. But, so but what, you've got to remember too that the yeah. processor does more than just chuck stuff at the hard drive.
2: Well, um, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, at what point do we just say there's not much point in making faster chipsets? Um, you know, because the, our our input output, our I/O interface, i.e., the hard drive, is just gonna. It's never going to realize it. We're not. It's pointless.
1: Yeah, I, I kinda agree with that. I don't think it's gonna change until they start um getting solid state hard drives to a decent um read write yeah. speed. Yeah. Because at the moment the solid states have the issue where the write speed is slower than a physical drive. Um but give it six months that, that's gonna disappear.
2: So um, how many how many of these would they who who would buy this? Who would buy an eight core for seventy three hundred dollars? And that's for just astros- a headless yeah. So would they, sell, video. would they sell a lot of these or no? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Really?
1: Yep. Yeah, actually, it was quite interesting because that same guy on the, on the Macworld forum, some guy replied to him and says, man, if you're questioning these specs, you don't need one of these. However, we do. You know." And he, he was a graphics guy, uh, and he said, we'll be lapping these up. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting thing to see.
2: Guys like Weta Digital in Wellington there, they would probably –
1: Ah, uh, yeah, Weta, oh. Basically, uh, was it George Lucas and his lot? Um, yeah.
0: e- anything Pixel. anything that has to do some rendering basically is yeah, exactly, going to yeah. e- e- eat these things up. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you, you you always want more power just for you know even basic processes and stuff like well not basic but you know doing things like rendering uh, changes in video and graphics and so on. The the gruntier you, you've got, the better.
2: Do you remember? Yeah, we quite... were, sorry, go ahead, Darren. Oh,
1: yeah, it's, it's quite interesting because I, I, um, I rented out the DVD um, first season of Babylon 5. Now, I remember when Babylon 5 first came out, um, they were using a render farm of six Omega 3000s and two Omega 4000s, and they were saying even at the speeds at which those were actually being able, able to process, because you got to remember those were the top-of-the-line machines for graphics stuff at the time. It was taking them a week to render one frame. On on Babylon Five, using Lightwave 3D, and then now basically, if you had you know say th- just those amounts of uh, machines, you know four, say six um, of these Nihilum uh, Mac Pros, you, you know you, it'll be spitting out those frames quicker than you could blink, you know. So the the rendering times uh, will be dropped by quite a quite a decent amount. Um, so yeah, it's quite amazing how how far the technology's come in the last twenty years.
2: I'm just configuring a a top of the line Mac Pro with terabyte hard drives in each of the four bays, and with a top of the line ATI Radeon uh, and two super drives and a Cinema HD display, 30-inch flat panel, and I'm going to give up at that point because now it's $33,000. Now,
0: now hold on. I just want you to just make sure, before you get that credit card out, I hope you've done that via the link on the nzmac.com website. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Phil might be able to retire
0: finally. <laughs> I can finally, you know, give the children some food. Uh, not that I have kids, but, you know, it sounds good. <laughs>
2: Do you remember when we were kids and we used to kind of look through computer magazines and just dream? That's exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm just looking at this client. I want it for no reason, but I just want it.
1: It's It's funny. I I did the same thing with an XServe. I basically maxed that puppy out, and it was (laughs) something like $93,000. And that that was with the full-blown Mac OS X server, which is unlimited client license. And I priced something similar with IBM or HP, one of the two. And it was almost ninety thousand dollars just to get Windows Server close enough to, um, you know, support. I, th- I think it was a thousand users. Um, and I gave up after that. And it was just $90,000 just for Windows Server, just for the client licenses. If,
2: if, I'm gonna, if I'm about to put my credit card information and buy a $33,000 computer, what, this is slightly off topic, I would expect them to bring it to me personally. Was that too much to ask? Seriously. I mean, really. I mean, that's $33,000. Yep. Jesus.
0: And I'm sure there will be some people um, maxing out their their orders to to get that sort of setup. Yeah, I guess. So. Oh, definitely.
1: Yeah. yeah. What's actually interesting? I was looking at um, a few because uh, one of the big things with the Mac Mini uses 13 watts when wow. uh, it's running. 13 watts is you know what's average light bulb 65 watts. Is there so, a fan in there? Um yes there is.
2: Is there a fan? Okay. I didn't yep. know. Yeah. Um
1: it's in, in the um enclosure. Mm. But what what's interesting? So like the power companies what they charge you per kilowatt really, isn't it? Mm. Um so that's a thousand watts. So you, in a thousand watts you can run seventy six point nine two Mac minis. <laughs> now I got the <laughs> specs for a HP DC 7800 which is one of the later model Hewlett-Packard it's their small form factor cases in that 1000 kilowatts uh, sorry, was it? 1 kilowatt, sorry, so 1000 watts so in that 1000 watts you can run a grand total of 4.17 HP DC seventy eight hundreds. that's 240 watts that those um, small slimline cases are using so, it's, it's a massive difference. What I'm
2: what I'm hearing is that I should take this big, you know, and it's it's a fifty pound EMAC. I kid you not, this thing is fifty pounds. I should take that because it's probably eating our power bill, or Contact Energy is kind of wringing their hands right now because they're making so much money, and just get a a Mac Mini.
1: Well, the thing too with the EMACS is that they're running CRTs. And yeah. CRTs like are like television. Yeah, CRTs that take a lot of power. I mean, your standard LCD is using a quarter of the power of a CRT. Oh boy!
2: So,
1: but yeah, at least yeah. you,
0: at least the room's warm on a cold night, Dave. <laughs> well,
2: yeah, yeah it'd be good okay, in, in winter.
1: You won't have to run the power, uh, run the heater. <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: Jesus! Anyway, it's a lot of money.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a lot of money. Everything's going up these days, though, isn't it? What
2: was the other new hardware that they announced? Was it the, the Pro? We'd been through the iMac, the Mini, the Airport Extreme, the Time Capsule. What else was there? Is that it?
1: I think that's it.
2: Well, they did bump oh, up the spec, s- spec yes. bump up on the MacBook Pro. That's right.
1: Yeah, on the 15-inch, they beefed it up a little bit. Yeah. Um,
2: Can't remember what that went to, but it's uh, it wasn't a huge amount, and I I haven't really – I'm just looking at it now. Uh, 2.66 you can get oh wait no you're always able to get no you weren't able to get 2.66 you can get 2.93 in a 15 inch now
0: and of course we should mention that along with these new uh, the hardware some updates came out as well that were related Um, airport was updated but there was also some other interesting ones iPhoto and iLife what did those Um, updates
2: do anyway Phil what did they do
0: um, I would use a standard comment of they fix stability issues, which I think is what they said. Well, thank that you. That's
2: pretty much it.
0: That's but, uh, usually the um, standard Apple comment.
2: Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was something I read that iPhoto, they improved faces because some people were actually getting uh, two faces in one face kind of collection. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, something like that. I remember reading about it. It fixes that.
1: Some people think that's art. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't there plugins to do the
0: same thing? (laughs) Um, Fix minor issues in a number of areas, including internet connectivity. This is an iPhoto. Keyword import and slideshow export.
1: Actually, now, that's an interesting thing, because I noticed with um, iPhoto the other day, before I updated um, the software, whenever I hooked up my iPhone and tried to download an image... um, uh, iPhoto kept crashing, um, but hmm. at the same time, um, there was a bit of a stuff-up on my um, Orcon account, and they disconnected the connection. So I'm thinking maybe that was um, it was trying to connect to the internet, and because it connected to the machine was connected to the wireless router, but the wireless router wasn't connected to the internet. Uh, iPhoto was getting tangled up. Um, yeah,
0: but I that... had. Oh, sorry. Carry on.
1: Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, but um, after that update it, that seemed to have gone. Yeah, hmm. I
0: had problems with um, slideshow export on iPhoto. It just wouldn't remember some of the defaults and things in slideshows, but I haven't tested it since I've applied the update.
1: Okay. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, what other news has been out there in general?
2: Safari 4. Yeah. Safari 4, baby. Yeah. What do you guys think? Love it. It's my yeah, default nice. browser. Yeah, very nice. Mm. I think I said on the I think I said on the forum it it does the one thing that um, Firefox does, but Safari never did, and that is when you zoom in, uh, the old version of Safari only increased the size of the text, whereas now it actually does zoom in on the entire page, so everything renders bigger.
0: My biggest problem isn't really related to Safari at all, but um, I use Entourage, which is um, um, the email client that comes with um, Office. And mm. I quite like it. But I signed up to their beta. And of course, being a Mac user, Apple betas are always near perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I, I was very blase and thought, what can possibly go wrong? But I completely regret moving to the Entourage beta. And the the assurance of the beta installer that you could backtrack was an absolute lie. Really? Yeah. So oh, I'm.
1: Oh, oh. How long have yes. you known Microsoft? <laughs> well, I, I've. <laughs>
0: First time ever I had to um, use their beta system, and, and it took me three weeks to agree to sign up to their um, Microsoft Live website. I didn't even want to do that, but um, oh, gosh, I finally did, and i have lived to regret it. But um, it's just funny because I think I posted in the forum, you know, the differences between betas from companies. I mean, you mm. know, if if Safari is a beta, I've heard some people say there's been a few glitches, but I certainly haven't experienced any.
1: No, I haven't. Uh no, I no, as no. I said in the in the posting I've been using the Safari four beta for well, it must be a good must be coming up nine months now. because um, it was under the developer link. Um didn't look anything like what it is now, but obviously it was all basically the back end stuff they were working on at the time. And I never had any problems. Um and and now the the beta's Released uh, publicly and still haven't had any problems. Um, bar so one it, password, but they
0: fixed that two days later. Yeah, they did. So it's still a WebKit engine. They've just given it a mm. fancy name. Is that right? It,
1: it's basically based on one of the later releases of WebKit. So the one that um, actually, that's an interesting thing. Um, they call,
0: called it Nitro or something, didn't they? Or
1: that, that's the JavaScript engine. Um, ah, okay. That that's the bit that's like really, really. Um, quick, um, it, um, that I forgot what they called it under WebKit. Um, oh, nice! Um, I just did a test on Safari. It Passes the Acid Three test, hundred out of a hundred. Yes, it does. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Yep. The the yeah. other
0: thing, the one thing I haven't managed to do is I actually want to switch off Cover Flow in the um, bookmarks area, but I can't figure out how to do it.
2: What do you mean in uh, the bookmarks area? Do you, you, uh, you, when I you go
0: in, when you go and browse yeah. your bookmarks, it, the, the CoverFlow area appears above and shows you all your websites and the last time you visited them.
2: I didn't know you could browse your bookmarks in CoverFlow. Jeez.
0: No, no, no. No, Cover no, no. Flow, oh, CoverFlow sorry. is now bu- is now built into Safari.
2: No, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah I, I mean, I'm in Safari now. I didn't realize you could browse. That's interesting. I'm going to have to try that.
1: Huh. Yeah, just click in the the. Book on the on the left. And yeah.
2: See what we're talking about. Yeah. No, that's right. That's interesting. I didn't that, oh. gimmicky. I got, gimmicky. I got,
0: yeah, I like the top sites thing. Um, it's just one of those features. I thought, wow, this looks really cool, but I'll never use it again. But um, it is very neat feature, though. It yeah. would be great for people that do have um, a set series of um, pages that they they want to see open up in a very uh, trendy looking display first mm-hmm.
2: off. Yeah,
0: do it like
1: doesn't that. do multiple site openings yet. I haven't worked out that one.
0: Well, you can so, do yeah. it, but you you just have to do it the old way by setting up your folder and putting a tick in saying, you know, the one click to open all all yeah. sites.
2: I do that every yeah. morning because that's how I get my news, international yeah. news is just yeah.
0: Um and the one thing I oh, sorry after saying I love it, I should I'm, I'm pulling it to bits now, but the one <laughs> thing I have ha, have noticed is I don't like the fact that in, um you can't clear your searches anymore by the looks of things you have to go up and clear your browsing history and that clears Mm. your your searches as well
2: anybody hack it to get rid of some of the features in other words the pinwheel in terms of the loading progress and bring back the old blue progress bar anybody do that
1: i haven't but i've heard people do it um i've
2: I've
0: changed the tabs but i've already declared that on the floor
2: yeah i did that too
1: no, I love those tabs They're brilliant.
2: at the but top. That's you just you me. keep them at the top there. Oh yeah, really? No other browser does that. Doesn't it, doesn't it trip you? Oh no, if you use Chrome, only, does if you? Oh well, that's what I mean. No <laughs> other browser does that. Well, for but doesn't it? If you're only using Safari, I guess then yeah, I guess it's okay. But I every once in a while I go back to Firefox for a few things. It reminded me
0: of Opera's tabs, which I don't like either more than than. Opera. Well, I mean yes, Chrome, but I mean I. I I I reverted it back because I I like that and um, Firefox to stay the same, basically.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I I just work solely in Safari, and I I think the only reason I went to Firefox periodically was because um, there was something weird happening on the PSIS login page, and it kept rejecting my code for my um, RSA key, Hmm. Uh, Hmm. and it only happened in Safari, that's largely sort of fixed now, so haven't really moved back.
2: Well, I noticed that I was on the, um, I think it's called InfoShare from Stats New Zealand, and um, you can actually select various, you can build tables essentially, and it doesn't work in Safari, it only works in Firefox.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting. I generally, throughout the day, will have two browsers running constantly, and that will be Safari and Firefox yeah. for, for various reasons. For example, our older learning management system at Massey doesn't handle Safari, so Firefox is good for that. But for example, today, I've been doing some study and, and um, accessing a lot of electronic journals online, and some of them have well, a lot of them have an export citation feature that will export EndNote references, so you can then import them into EndNote. But some of them, I don't know why they were, but um, it would say saving your export in, in Firefox and nothing would happen. But by switching to Safari, it, it would actually download the file. So I tend to have those two running because I think, well, if it doesn't work in Safari, I'll switch to Firefox and vice versa. mm But also things like um, the nzmac.com website, um, Joomla, the the content management system, seems to like Firefox more. So um, really, um, yeah, I
1: I agree with that. My experience with Joomla has been the same. It's been a bit flaky under Safari, um, but pretty good under um, under Firefox. What really
0: amazed? Sorry, carry on.
1: No, no, you can't.
0: What really amazes me, I'm just sitting here, you know, because I do web design and I'm just having a very quick count. I've got 11 Macintosh web browsers installed.
2: Oh, my God. I didn't know there were
0: 11 that were even made. Uh, Sorry, 10. Sorry, I have to go back. Because that one's not a web browser. You have to list
2: them now. I'm curious.
0: Okay, Safari, Firefox, Camino, Omniweb, which is now free, Flock, Flock, Opera, um, Sunrise, ICAB, which is horrendous. <laughs> um, and then two I don't actually use but I installed them and I can't even remember their names. One is called Shearer, which is not sheep. Oh yeah. Yeah, S H I I R A. And the other one which hasn't really had any updates in a long, long time, is Cruise C R U Z.
2: I've, I haven't heard of 50% of the ones you've just listed. That's yeah. unbelievable.
1: Well, Ironically, are... you could knock that down to three. Oh, four. Yeah. <laughs> Cause, Safari, cause... Uh, Firefox, and iCab, and what was the other one?
0: Opera. Yeah, because um, you know they're all WebKit, 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 really, aren't they? Mm, Although WebKit. I've heard there's a rumor that, because um, MacBreak Weekly were talking about it, there is a rumor that Flock are possibly going to go away from WebKit and move to... Um, No, hold on. Chrome's built on WebKit as well, isn't it? Or is it its own rendering engine?
1: Chrome's WebKit. Flock isn't, though. Flock's based on Mozilla.
0: Ah, yes, that's right, Yeah, So there was a rumour that Flock was going to move over to the WebKit engine.
1: That would be interesting, because Flock's actually quite one of those... I remember when it first came out, I thought, oh, this is pretty cool, because at the time I was using Blogger. Um, And, yeah, it was great. I, I could blog pretty much anywhere without having to worry about um, logging into the web page. I, I could do it locally and then um, fresh up to, to Blogger. Um, but I haven't used it since I ditched Blogger. So.
0: No, um, Leo Laporte summed it up brilliantly. He said that Flock is just um, Firefox with enforced extensions. In other words, they've put the things in they want you to do with it. Um, that,
1: that's pretty much correct. Yeah, um, and
0: it, it really is for somebody who's doing a lot of social networking, and, and that's not me, I'm
2: afraid. Mm. Now, there's one other one you don't have, Phil, and can I make this one of my picks? This is yeah, a, sure. This is an on-the-fly. Can we move into picks, Darren? Is that all right?
1: Yeah, might as well, yep.
2: It's called Devon Agent, and I mentioned it a little earlier on because I think, Darren, you asked what, what browsers I checked the um, Apple site failure on. Devon Agent is uh, from Devon Technologies. So it's uh, devon-technologies.com. And I use their DevonThink Pro Office um, application uh, for kind of research work. But Devon Agent is their web browser, and it runs on WebKit as well, I believe. And it uses uh, either Safari or Camino or Firefox's bookmarks, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, It's basically a souped-up. Um, you know, industrial strength kind of search engine or search interface. It functions as a browser, but it allows you to do these amazing, you know, fairly specialized searches. And one of the unique features that drew me to it is that I can search for um, something that uses, you know, and I can use Boolean operators. I'm just trying to think of an example. I can search for the phrase New Zealand, and then I can say near slash five, and then the phrase um, bilateral, and then it'll search the web, and it'll find me websites where the phrase New Zealand appears within five words of the word bilateral, and it'll pull those up for me. And um, so you and you can save those searches. You can get them. You can get Devon Agent to repeat that search every once in a while. You can schedule those kinds of searches, um, and it integrates with um, its own software, Devon or uh, yeah, Devon Think Pro Office. Um, but this is, if, if you need to do really, really specialized searches, and you can kind of have a graphical depiction of how all your search terms kind of fit together, if you need to do that kind of really specialized search, give this a try. Because it is it's it's found things that Google hasn't found for me. And Google is pretty powerful, as we is all it- know. Is it included in DevonThink, Think or is DevonThink Think separate? No, DevonThink Think is separate. Devon Agent, uh, you have to buy separately. I think okay. it is. I think it's fifty dollars US, if I'm not mistaken. You'd have to check their website, but
0: the, the reason I ask about DevonThink Think is, of course, it's free for the moment if you um, get it from the Mac Heist um, right. Heist that's going on at the moment. Yes, yeah, if
1: you can get the tweet to work, I, I did it about three days ago and still haven't got the the license for it. <laughs>
2: So, yeah, it's a, it's a $50 application. Th- yeah, $50.
1: Yeah. Actually, that Devon thinks actually pretty good software. Um, it's amazing, yeah. For, just for, like, even even just the bulk standard one, just for um, keeping all your data on track. Um, I guess there's others like Yojimbo and all that that do the same, but I think Devon thinks the better one. Mm.
2: That's one of my picks anyway.
1: Um, what you- well, we might as well carry on. <laughs>
2: What do you have this Dave? My other one? Oh, I can give you yeah, I can give you another one. Um it's gonna be Pathfinder, and that's by Cocotech. So it's uh, Cocotech.com, C O C O A T E C H dot com. Uh basically it's a souped up uh, finder. And one of the things that drove me nuts when I switched back to the Mac, because I the last time I left Mac it was system seven five five. And when I went to Mac it was ten four. 5 or something like that system 1045
0: wow that's a big gap
2: it is a huge (laughs) gap i was on windows for all those years and one of the things that drove me nuts was that finder um i just couldn't get used to the fact that to open a file i had to go commando that drove me absolutely mental and i found pathfinder and basically it is as i say like a souped up finder they call it the finder reinvented and it it doesn't necessarily replace the finder although you can ask it to do that but it, it it's it gives you kind of a, a new interface to it. It gives you tabs for your f- in Finder itself. You can have little drawers that come off either side of it. So on my right-hand drawer, I've got it set for preview, So, and I've got it big enough so that if I click on a PDF file, for example, I can actually see what's in that PDF file without even having to open it. Um, it's got a terminal built into it. Uh, you can set all kinds of you know preferences for it, uh, various commands. Um, it mirrors the kind of left-hand tab or the left-hand uh, side of Finder, and you can add things to that. Uh, it's just a really powerful Finder replacement. Burn CDs and DVDs right within it. You can set iDisk to come on in it, and it loads it up perfectly. Um, it, it it really is quite a nice nice little application to have, and I use it. All day, every day, and it's always running. In fact, I have it set to start up automatically on my Mac because I can't, I can't use Finder anymore as a result. I just cannot do it. Does it cost? How much is it, sorry? Uh, it is. knew you were going to ask me that. How much does this cost?
0: And while he's looking, we will mention that um, all these will be available on the nzmac.com website. We'll put show notes up with links to all the um, various applications that we
2: mention. I can't find the cost off the top of my head. I'm just looking on the website now, and it, yeah.
0: it's the sort of application lots of people rave about it. I mean, once you use it, if you if you like it, um, it's something that people seem to become quite obsessed about, really.
2: Yeah, I, I I think you're right about that. I've I've seen I've seen people review it and say, you know what, <laughs> it doesn't do much for me in terms of uh, replacing the Finder. I'm I'm quite happy with the Finder. I think if you're someone who's used Finder on Macs, you know for several years you may find that okay i can live with the finder i'm not i'm going to get away from actually uh spending the money on it but at the end of the day it's it's a pretty nice piece of uh, piece of software that's for sure Mm. still can't find how much this thing costs support download anyway
1: maybe it's free
2: (laughs) i wish it was we'll carry on and i'll come back to you guys with the cost how much is it
1: Anything else?
0: or
2: No, that's enough for me. Those are my two two picks, I think.
0: Cool. Um, Phil? Okay, well, I'm going to be greedy because I've got four, but I'll, I'll say them very quickly. The, 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 the first two are free. One of them I think Darren may have possibly mentioned at one point on the website. I used to use App Zapper that came with, um, I think it was a Mac Heist bundle. It's a um, software removal tool for removing applications. And then I saw App Cleaner which is free, um, it is donationware, and I installed that instead. And I, I've, I really like it a lot more because I think App AppZapper was a bit too cautious. And so when you dragged an application onto App AppZapper and it said, I think I need to remove these files, it was normally just the preference file and the application. What I would say with App Cleaner is it's probably um, not cautious enough, so you need to be a bit careful. But it finds a lot of the other associated files with an application, like the files in the library folder. So it's really good if a program doesn't have an uninstaller that goes with it. Hmm.
2: Is there any danger in using those kinds of applications?
0: Uh, Yes, if you um, click empty the trash before you actually see what it said, Um, uh, which I almost did the very first time. I thought, wow, look at all those things it's found and was about to hit delete and realize that something on the list shouldn't be. So proceed with caution, and uh, nzmac.com cannot be held liable.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Phil.roy
1: at (laughs) nzmac.com. Yeah, I I used to use one called App Delete, and then they went to a paid version, which was good enough. I mean, it was only five, five dollars US, but a really great tool. Um, But. I noticed I downloaded it the other day, and I had the link to go to the free one. It kept saying, you have to pay for this, you have to pay for this. I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound right. So I might give that app cleaner a bit of a go because it
0: sounds a a little bit better. It's got some nice features that I still haven't got into yet. Um, It seems to have smart folders and things that can watch certain things for you as well. So that's my first one. The next one I want to talk about is foxmarks.com. Oh, yeah. Um, And I finally decided that here I am running two browsers, but because I've been running them for separate reasons, I haven't ever tried to synchronize my bookmarks. And then also, you know, this uh, iMac here has got Windows on it, and I'm booting up into Windows now and then, and if I need bookmarks on the Windows side, I tend to email them to myself. And because I've always treated my iMac at home as the sort of master Mac that I use, this is going to sound really stupid. When I find a good bookmark at work, I tend to email at home and then put it into my bookmarks here. So... I mean, why was I not synchronizing my bookmarks is, is the obvious question. So I downloaded uh, Foxmarks, which is about to change its name to Xmarks. On Firefox, it is a Firefox add-in. Uh, it's completely free. For Safari, it's a little wee menu app. Um, it also has Safari on uh, Internet Explorer connectivity as well for the PC side, um, and basically it synchronizes your bookmarks up to a central system that you can also access online, so you can go online and find your bookmarks. The one um, thing I would say is that they do mention they have some issues with um, proxy servers, and I have found it an issue at, at work with the firewall, um, the... Uh, Firefox synchronization seems to work fine, but it didn't seem to like synchronizing or getting through the firewall with, this, with Safari. So at work, at the moment, Safari bookmarks aren't being synchronized, but that's not an issue because I just open up Firefox and, and bookmark it there.
2: Now, I thought there, the Safari... Oh, sorry, Phil, go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, the only other thing I would say is there are a few little frustrations. For example, Firefox has a folder called, I think, Unsorted Bookmarks, and I opened up Safari the other day, and there were four of these empty folders um,
2: mm-hmm. that had gradually been created on the Firefox side. I thought the Safari one—it was closed beta. In other words, you had to sign up, but they weren't taking any more sign signups. Um, well, I, I got
0: it fine. I didn't.
2: I just went to the site and downloaded it. Oh, maybe I must have been. Wonder what I did wrong? Because I. Th- eh, okay, I'll look at Yeah.
0: Yeah, give it a go. And as I say, they're about to change their name to XMarks, which is probably a good idea since it works for all these other browsers as well. Mm. Um, My third one I just want to mention, because I I keep thinking we should be recommending things that we use all the time, a bit like your Pathfinder. And Mm. I I wanted to mention Cover Sutra. Which doesn't sound, isn't as exotic as it sounds. It's basically an iTunes controller that sits up in my menu bar. Um, It's about 40 New Zealand dollars, but again, I got it in a bundle, I think, from Mac Heist. And I just really like it because it lets me use keyboard shortcuts for controlling iTunes. And I have music playing constantly during the day. And so if someone knocks on my office door, I just um, do a little quick key combo on the keyboard and it stops iTunes from playing. So is it a universal
2: key combination?
0: Uh, you, you program it, yes, yeah, and uh, okay. no matter what no, what you're in, it will work. Um, and it also does other things like you can program star ratings. You can have a little wee – it integrates with Growl, so you can have, uh, if you wanted, the album cover art to appear in the middle of the screen each time a song is changed and all those sorts of things. Uh, so it's a really nice little wee app there. That's
2: kind of neat. How much is it
0: in New Zealand? Uh, About $40 It's €15 So it's not cheap And, And I believe There are lots of alternatives But I went through Yeah Screeds and screeds of them, and I didn't want one that had a controller anywhere on the screen. This just has a little wee um, musical note in my menu bar, so you don't even know it's running other than that. And, and I don't use half the features on it, I just love the fact that you know, even if I hit a certain combination now, iTunes is going to launch for me, and then I can just never have to actually go to iTunes to get these songs playing.
2: That's interesting,
0: I might look into that.
2: Yeah, um, do
0: you, and,
1: does it take to uh, do lyrics and all that?
0: Um, I don't know. I think it does, to be honest. Um, it's got a really cool search engine feature as well, um, within it. Um, I believe it does Hmm. lyrics, but I would have to check.
2: So totally off topic, Phil, what's the last CD you bought?
0: Uh, the last one was my brother bought it for me at my request, which was, uh, well, he got it wrong. It was meant to be the killers, but it ended out to be the verve but I'm quite happy with that as well. Uh <laughs> <laughs> is a great thing. Uh, well, well, the funny thing is that he and I, every year... Negotiate what we're going to give each other for Christmas, and on Christmas Day we say to each other, "Oh my goodness, how did you possibly know that's exactly yeah. what I wanted?" Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and I, you know? I quietly had to take him aside this year and say, "Look, I don't, you know, I don't know how to say this, but you got it wrong. You forgot what I wanted." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it ended out to be a good album, The Verve. Yeah. I would recommend it. Cool. Uh, and that wasn't a pick, but we can do some music as well. Um, the last one, last one I'm going to mention, sorry, is an uh, iPhone game. I think I may have mentioned it in the last podcast. I'm not sure, or I wanted to. It's called Sheepish. And it's a fantastic game. It's $5.30. The reason I love it is because it is made by a company that is opposite us, just across the road at Massey University. A guy who used to work with me uh, is part of the company. Um, It's incredibly addictive. It's a puzzle game involving black and white sheep. And um, the reason I mention it as a pick, to show you how addictive it is, it is uh, – I think it was Wednesday night I was out for dinner at a friend's house and about 11 o'clock I said, oh, I'll show you this game that, that Mike and a few other people made. Um, at one thirty in the morning I fin- finally Whoa. had to say say to her, look, I really want my phone back and, and I need to go home. And, and I'm under instructions that I'm not allowed to reset the game so that I can start my levels again. She wants it left so that she can pop around and carry on playing. Um because obviously she doesn't have an iPod or an iPhone. Uh-huh. But, but it is a very, very cool game, and it is exceptionally addictive. I'm and just I'm it,
2: buying it now because it looks really good.
0: Yep, and it's – carry on, Darren. Oh, I
1: was just going to say that it's something I've been noticing lately with um, a lot of the iPhone games. There's a lot of what I would call probably classic-type games you know um like 2d scrollers and things like that i, I downloaded one mm. the other um early this, this afternoon um what was it called um something something to do with mechs or anything like that but it reminded me of the old school um amiga games you know massive playability um pretty good graphics really good sound but it was all about the gameplay you know and a lot of those games like um, was it sheepish and, and all that? You know, they, they tend to be nice, simple games that you just get so addicted to, eh?
0: Well, it's funny you say that because I, um, as I think I posted somewhere on my profile, years ago I got involved in a game called Monkey Shines. Uh, it came out on the Mac and I immediately fell in love with it because it's very Donkey Kong ish. Um, it's not available for OS X. Um, but I uh, entered and won a contest to develop levels for it, and then uh, started running a website and, and started to help on the development of the second game, which um, I confess I didn't like. Um, although I did come up with a name for it. It was called uh, um, Monkey Shines 2 Guerrilla Warfare. Um, but but I just didn't like the gameplay. The first gameplay side-scroller was brilliant, and I was sitting here the other night, and I have loaded I don't know if you've heard of this application. She Sheepsharer, which lets you run OS 8 on your Mac. It's a free piece of software. If you've got OS, uh, uh, an OS 8.5 install CD, um, you can cool. get Sheepsharer going. So I've now loaded up uh, Monkey Shines to play, and I'm going to try and contact the original developer and say to him, look, you know, this is the sort of thing that you should be putting on the iPhone because it's a brilliant
2: game. mm do you remember? Do you guys remember the old game Maelstrom? Yeah, yeah. I put oh, that yeah. on my daughter's EMAC. Fantastic game. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: hmm. yeah it's funny. We were talking about that the other day. Um, one, one of the guys I was, was building his machine as part of this project, and we were talking about a game called Sensible World of Soccer, um, which was just the coolest. Um, Soccer game ever invented It was a top down It was um, cartoony graphics and all that But my mate and I um, on the Amiga We used to basically We would play a 90 minute game And our hands, our thumbs were destroyed By the end of the game But it was just one of those addictive games um, You know There's a lot of old school games That would be just so perfect for the iPhone Just to you know waste a few hours While you're mind numbing work And all that yeah.
0: Yeah, um, I think Ambrosia, they have branched into the iPhone, haven't they, or have they? But, yeah, they've I mean, got a few games out there. Yeah, they they just produce superb games. And I, I used to own Maelstrom and Bubble Trouble and a few others. They're just um, superb products. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, Sheepish, it's well worth it. Um, there's a review on the NZiPhone.com website, which I'll link to. Um, but a uh, very enjoyable game. And at some point, I might post a, a question there saying, How do I get past level 72? Because I was stuck at one point. Level 72? I told you it was addictive Holy <laughs> now, I like now, the fact this... that
1: there's at least 72
0: levels well, well I mean each one's a puzzle And you've just got to put certain things in the way or To help the sheep across the field and, and that's a level And then you go on to the next one But it's it's a bit more complex than that There are pipes and different colours And uh, thin and thick sheep And all these sorts of things It's just great fun hmm. So Darren I think we're on to your picks now
1: that must be me, yeah um, Okay, the first one I want to do It's it's actually a very left field um, Sort of a pick but Because um, it's neither software nor hardware But um, if, if people Out there are, are kind of like me And no one wants to give them a credit card um, It's obviously very difficult to buy stuff Off iTunes and stuff like that um, New Zealand Post have A debit card called the Loaded Card Um I guess, my namesake. Um, I was just thinking
2: it, that, actually.
1: <laughs> but it, it, it's a great little card. It, basically, it's a debit card, so you can either go into the post shop or the um, uh, or do it through, um, uh, what do you call it, internet banking and things like that, um, just to top it up with however much you want to put on there. I, I think um, you're limited to a $5,000 top-up and $10,000 on the card. Um, But it's great It's actually the big brother to the Prezi card That Post Shop also do Um, Because at the moment There's only really um, two players That are doing the the debit cards One of them obviously is Westpac um, With their Debit Plus account And the other one is uh, Obviously New Zealand Post With a loaded card Um, So it's a great way to buy stuff um, On the internet uh, both hardware, software, basically wherever Visa's accepted, um, so is this card. Um, so I thought I'd just make a mention of that because mm-hmm. uh, there's obviously going to be a few people that are in the same situation as me. So, um, so yeah, if you're interested, uh, ten dollars at the post shop. Uh, it does cost a dollar to top up, um, but yeah, it's a very, very handy tool, and it works with prepay. Oh, sorry, not was it? Was it PayPal? Um, So it works with all those sorts of services and all that as well. Um, So I'd recommend that. Um, Hmm. The other one I wanted to talk about was Flux. Um, Now, I've done a review of this when I did my web editor um, uh, roundup, and Flux was basically one of the ones that I was really excited about. Um, They're working on version 2 at the moment, and it's in a public beta um, stage. But uh it's still got a, a few issues. Basically they've rewritten the whole engine. Um so it should basically work on um applications uh, sorry, machines all the way down to a um uh I think it was uh, a three hundred and thirty three megahertz G four wow. um just by rewriting the engine. Um And basically what makes Flux different to a lot of um, the editors out there is the fact that it is doing XML, uh, sorry, XHTML. Um, So it's one of the later and more rigid standards. Um, It's also what uh, iWeb uh, creates. It creates XHTML pages as well. Um, But the... The beta currently is Starting to move towards using HTML5 standard Which starts bringing in all the CSS animations and um, A better way of embedding video And audio and all that sort of thing Um, So that's uh, The website Is not Flux.com, it is Theescapers.com So T-H-E E-S-C-A-P-E-R-S .com um, and, yeah, if you want to check it out, um, it, just go under the forum. There's a link under the Flux 2 discussion, uh, beta discussion, um, and you can download it from there. Um, it's not without problems. It is a beta, um, and I think there's only one or two people working on it, but they – Basically, in the last probably month they've released three or four betas already um updated, so it gets updated probably about every week or two weeks um so that's flux hmm, cool and um phil the we we had a thing on the n z post oh, sorry n z iphone um thing about documents to go
0: oh yeah, um, yeah
1: now. I've, I, I do actually remember the um, the plugin for Apple Works, which allowed you to convert the documents on uh, Word and Excel documents on the fly. Um, documents to go, however, is actually different on um, the mobile devices because it's actually a full Word and Excel editor um, so you can actually uh, create and edit Word and Excel documents on the fly. Um, they're working on an iPhone version, uh, which is going to be really good. I, I seriously recommend documents to go as as an on-the-fly editor, uh, mobile editor. Um, they, it's been around for quite a few years. I've yeah. been using it on my palm for quite a lot. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And it, it's brilliant. I mean, it actually has more compatibility with Word and Excel than the mobile, uh, the Windows Mobile version of Word and Excel, which are actually native Word and Excel document editors. Um,
0: How do so, you think it's going to work on an iPhone? Because, I mean, you can't save an attachment from an email to some folder on your phone and then say, now open it in documents to go can you?
1: It, it's not a really full-on editor in terms of being able to throw in pictures and all that, although on having said that, you can use um, uh, pictures and all that that you've um, put in using the documents to go uploader, because um, there's a desktop application for it as well.
0: Ah, okay, gotcha. Um, mm.
1: And then it just synchronizes with the, um, well, on the the way it works on the Palm, I, I, I think it's the same or similar thing on, on Windows Mobile, um, but you have a desktop application, uh it initially on the Palm it will install the Palm application and then from there on it syncs between the two automatically. Um so you can like edit the document on uh on say on the Mac, put in your photos and all that and then um upload it, it'll have all the photos and all that in the document and you can just type around it. Um, but you can also upload photos and all that with the desktop application, which you can then link in with the, the document itself. Mm. Uh, but you, wonder, you won't be able to copy from an email.
0: Sort no, of but I wonder if there'll be some way where you can either um, set the app to, say, make this the default app to open these things or... Um, whether there's something in the iPhone that lets you do that, because I'm sure there's another tool out there where you can say, if this is a JPEG, don't open it in photo, open it in this program for me. So there must be a way to override the sort of default behavior.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that would be the case, because um, it makes sense that you know you'd edit a spreadsheet in a spreadsheet application rather than yeah, and then and then it,
0: it would probably have a button that says send back to mail or something like that to take it back mm. into the to the mail app. Mm. So what's the time frame? Do you know? Or are they just saying when it's out, it's out?
1: Well, they said first quarter of two thousand and nine, so it can't be too far away. Um, cause what is it? The first quarter starts in December, doesn't it?
0: Uh, first quarter is January, February, March. So I would oh, assume, I'd assume by the end of this month.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping so. Um, cause it's definitely an application that I'd buy. Um, unless of course Apple brings out a mobile version, uh, an iPhone version of iWork, in which case I'd probably go for that cause I use iWork all the time. Oh, that or,
2: would be interesting. It,
0: yeah. Or unless, of course, it's hideously expensive. No, it's not um I
1: think uh actually,
2: the micro right. to go used to be really expensive
1: uh, no, I think it was below a hundred bucks
0: uh what do we got store they they're giving an indication as to what it'll be already.
1: Uh, well, I'm just basically going on... on and what it's, it's worth for, there. Path or oh, or for okay. Palm, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm
0: getting used to $1.30 iPhone apps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: okay. yeah I, I think it'll probably be a little bit more than that, but I, I, that's thirty five. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: well, it's um, documents to go standard edition. Uh, no, premium edition is $50 US. Okay. That includes, mm. uh, That's for the Palm, and that does... That's not bad basically a lot. Um, you can go the total office, which is 90 US, um, but that synchronizes with everything to do with Outlook as well as access databases.
2: Yeah, that might be what I was thinking about.
0: The yeah. only thing that worries me, and I, I posted on it um, very briefly, is if you think of the history of that podcasting app, a guy spent all his time developing it. He, he um, put in the application to Apple and they banned it they said, sorry, because it's duplicating functionality that we're about to bring out. Um, there was a big uproar because there was a gap between his podcasting app and the ability to download a podcast in, iTunes, uh, in on the phone. Mm. So what just worries me is that unless um, the Documents to Go people have had some assurance from Apple, and Apple, as far as I know, aren't giving assurances to anyone, they may, in fact, turn around around that time and bring out the same functionality. That's a good point, actually.
1: Yeah, I I, I don't know about that because um, documents to go is sort of aimed at a different market. It's aimed more at the people who do use Word and, Word and Excel and more of the op- office applications. but, but if...
0: you've, yeah, I know, but you've got to re- sorry to interrupt, but you've got to remember. I mean, the iPhone has been heavily targeted at enterprise. Mm. I mean, um, and and they are. The Word and Excel users of the world
1: Yeah, but At the same time, Apple hasn't really Made any progression into that um, That realm I I mean, there's spreadsheet applications out there Now that will do Word and Excel Oh, sorry, well, at least do Excel um, And ones That'll do Google um, Google Documents as well, so I don't see Documents to go having any issue Getting onto the iPhone Um, Oh, okay uh, because it, it's not really doing anything with um, that, that's in contradiction to what Apple is doing. But at, at the same time, too, like, like that podcaster app is actually now out there um, in the iPhone store.
0: Yeah, it's, but its functionality's changed. Um, yeah. It d- doesn't do the same as it used to. Uh,
1: no, but it still does the downloading of the the podcast, though, doesn't it?
0: Um, no, I think...
1: Streaming of the podcast.
0: Oh, okay. I, I had a very quick read of an article that said it had changed in order to be accepted, but um, I, I got the impression that it had changed what it actually does.
1: I think one of the the issues that Apple had with it was the fact that it was actually trying to stream over the 3G. Mm. Um, and at the time, Apple wasn't allowing that to happen, obviously, because um, uh, the cell providers wouldn't have... Uh, was probably not all of the cell providers, but certainly AT&T, um, who have been you know, quite vocal about what you can and can't do on the network. Um, now, now,
0: talking about apps that other people have made and so on, I've just suddenly realised that I don't know if you guys saw a funny story um, about the iPhone. Um, I know some people would have loved putting this headline on their um, uh, websites, but the maker of iFart was... To- taking the maker of Pull My Finger to court. Yeah.
1: Mm. No kidding. The,
0: no, no, because the um, the maker of Pull My Finger wanted to trademark the expression, and Pull My Finger is not a unique um, expression that that person has suddenly created. So mm. the maker of Ifart was quite offended by this, so he's taken him to court to stop him trademarking that um, expression. And then the really hilarious thing is, it's funny enough at, at that point, but in order to prove that it's an expression that has been used before in legal terms, you have to uh, give evidence of prior art. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, article I saw said prior fart. This time, applications go to court. <laughs> <laughs> actually that's funny
1: um you should mention that there there was a real brilliant one the other day um well it's actually been going on for about last month month and a half um, a, some guy developed some software that basically pirated other iphone apps or allowed you allowed you to run um pirated applications and then he released it on on i um Uh, Was it on iTunes? Uh, Yeah, it must have been on iTunes. He was selling it on iTunes. And then someone hacked that... same copy of his software so he he was basically hacking a hacker's um application and then this hacker got all up in the arms because someone was um having a go at his very own application you know Mm. it's like man if if that's not the pot calling the kettle black i don't know what is eh? it's Mm. shocking the level of mentality that some people go through you know no no honor among thieves i guess it is
2: Uh yeah pathfinder by the way is us 40 dollars Forty bucks. Yep. Good value. See,
0: now a year ago, I wouldn't have hesitated at that price, but these mm. days, that's that's mm. a lot of money.
2: Well, I'll tell you. Yeah, you, you're not far off on that. No.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm. Um. Yeah. I guess that's. Haven't got anything else, you guys. I
2: think that wraps nope. us up.
1: Yep. Nothing from my end. <laughs> cool. Oh well. Um. I guess from us three. Uh, Phil, Dave, and myself, uh, we'd like to say thank you for listening to this podcast. Um, catch it on uh, the NZ Mac site, or even if you're using iTunes, it is listed on the iTunes store. Um,
0: and... oh, I might. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt at that point and, and say if there's anyone that's listening that would like to go on and rate the podcast on iTunes... You, we'd be most welcome to because um, I, I, I've never actually used the rating system in iTunes, but you're welcome to give this uh, podcast a rating if you feel like it.
2: Good That's idea. Good yeah. idea, actually. Yeah. Yep. And we'd be keen if anyone else is listening from the forums and they'd like to be involved. Um, you know, absolutely. Uh, get on the um, the community site, the community boards there on NZMac dot com, and and um, sign up. And I know there's one one fellow. I think it's Dragonfire. Uh, he propose an idea in a future podcast that we talk about apps that are used for people that are switching over from windows which i think is a great idea mm. so we'll have to get him on him or her I'm, I'm not i'm not sure actually i probably would offend it either way i guess um but get that individual on and and um yeah do a podcast about that yep cool good night gents Alrighty. thanks very
0: much see you later guys catch you Bye. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are
2: those of the guest presenter and do not necessarily represent those of MZMac.com.